the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. Join me, your host, Sam Wiles, as we discover the history, the music, and the man behind it all, Paul McCartney. To get in contact with the show, email us at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Hello, 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 goodbye, hi, 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 hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Paul or Nothing, the place to get all of your Paul all, all of, the time. of the time. I am, of course, your host, Sam Wiles. Thank you all for tuning in. I hope you're all well, safe, and sound. Und sound. Yes, everyone, we are back with episode five out of five. Five days running in a row, one after the other, of our bumper got back special. If you don't know what's going on by now, then God help you, because you've been missing out on some great Paul McCartney live concert content. Yes, since I'm stuck here in jolly old England, I've recruited five of my favourite Americana content creators to fill me in on what's been going on with Paul McCartney's latest live concert tour. It's still going on right now. It's not over. We've still had no UK date, so this is the best I can do in terms of covering all of this stuff. This time, I am going to be joined by my good friend, Chloe Costello, who you'll remember from our R Lane episode. We're going to be doing a Japanese tier episode very soon in the future, but I was just looking for any excuse, as with everyone else, to have her back on the podcast for a quick chat. Though, if you are concerned that the format is getting a bit stale and all that is happening is the guest is changing, well, do not fear, as there is a lot more to discuss in this episode for good reason. I'm not going to spoil anything. You'll have to check it out in just a moment. But yeah, let's not delay. Let's get right into the housekeeping. There's no news. There's no email. So let's just dive right into the plugs. To get in contact with the show, drop us an email at paulmccartneypod at gmail.com. Follow us on our Twitter, which is at McCartneyPod. Find bonus Paul or nothing written content on our blog, which is paulmccartneypod.wordpress.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by typing in Paul or nothing or Paul McCartney Podcast. Of course, YouTube has all of our episodes of Macca in Your Attic, our side series of Macca and Beetle memorabilia. Of course, please leave us a review on whatever platform you are listening to this on, whether that's a like, a thumbs up, some stars, a comment, a retweet, anything at all. It's always very, very helpful. Maybe even a nice little comment. Who knows? It is always much appreciated. And finally, if you enjoy the show, if you want to possibly give back to the show directly, you know, maybe you enjoy the work I do here on Paul or Nothing and you want to throw a few dollars at my face every month, then please consider joining our Patreon family. Patreon is the platform by which the public can support independent content creators such as myself. You know, it helps me get new equipment, it helps me get new guests on, gets me time off work, gets me product to review, yada, yada, yada. You know all the shtick by now. If you want to give me a couple of dollars a month, please join the Patreon you get loads of benefits. I've mentioned it in all four previous episodes now. I'm not going to delay any longer. Let's just go right to my conversation with the lovely Chloe Costello. One, two, three, go me. And welcome back once again to the live portion of the show, ladies and gentlemen. We have got back, as it were, once more. And, you know, to make up for the fact that I myself cannot attend Paul McCartney's 2022 Got Back Tour, I'm making up for it by having some of my best podcasting friends on the show to help me fill in all the gaps, the deets, the tea, as it were. Today, I'm joined by someone you will have only recently heard on this podcast for our R Lane episode. Guess everyone, back once again in record time, we have the lovely Chloe Costello of YouTube fame. Chloe, what is going on? Welcome back to the show. It's nice to have you back. 
It's nice to be back, Sam. Thank you for having me back again. I'm astounded that you're willing to do this with me again, but glad you did it. This was fun. So. It didn't yeah. go completely horribly, so therefore you were automatic guest of choice. You know, it's a it's oh. a it's a low standard, and you met it fantastically. No, it's it's always nice to get people back on the show, even for the most tenuous reasons, of course. But yeah, let's go right back to the beginning. Have you seen Paul before 2022? I'm guessing this is yes. I saw the look in your eye. I saw the look. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, yeah, these were my um, sixth and seventh, six and seven shows, seventh. Six and seventh. Does that mean you saw him more than once? <gasps> oh my yes, gosh! Spoilers. Oh no! Spoiler alert. Yeah. Okay, folks. Um, a little something that's quite unique for this episode, which is good because it's episode five out of five. Um, we get to do something a little bit different here because you saw not one but two shows from the Got Back tour. What shows were they, and was that always the plan? Was that always the plan? Um, yeah. The plan from the. From the moment I heard rumors of the tour announcement, my plan was to go as many times as possible. Um, so I, I'd say two is pretty good for all things considered. The first show I attended was on May 13th in California at SoFi Stadium, which mm-hmm. I have to triple check it, but I think it's the largest venue we played on this tour. I, I could be wrong, but it was very big, like astoundingly huge. And the other show I just attended a couple days ago was on the 31st of may in knoxville tennessee and yeah at the thompson bowling arena which was like a basketball stadium so it was actually really small so it was a cool comparison interesting so we've got a nice a nice little contrast there so when was the first time you saw him live then was that back in like maybe uh the out there tour maybe it was the on the run tour was on the first run. one i was 14 and my mom got tickets off craigslist the day of the show <laughs> and like it was established that i loved paul mccartney at that time but you know i was 14 i wasn't like following his tour actively i was busy in middle school so my mom at like noon that day she's on yahoo news i think she's like oh paul mccartney's here let's go to the show and i was like what and she we met up with some guy off craigslist and got really good floor seats actually i was just going through my old pictures because i have them sort of by each show i've been to we had really good seats for a really good price, but, you know, buying day of can do that. That is the least horrifying Craigslist story I think I've ever heard. No, uh, it was actually, it could have gone either way. We didn't know <laughs> if they were real. We The tickets were real. We met this guy in an alley and just bought them and went to the show. And did that first show leave an impression on you? Did that set the standard for all following shows to come, you know? Yeah, uh, I'd say that it definitely probably shaped it shaped me as a person and it's the reason I'm who I am at this point today um nobody got to stop hearing about Paul McCartney if they were in my vicinity for probably at least the next six years at a steady rate then maybe it calmed down a little bit but yeah oh and that was uh Wrigley Field I can't I'm blanking on the date I want to say June or July 31st 2011 Wrigley Field in Chicago wow so 10 solid a decade plus seeing Paul McCartney And I have a podcast. I have the gall to have a podcast and I've seen it once, folks. I feel, you know, I'm getting a lot of that imposter syndrome right now. I feel like a bit of a sham. I'm I'm a fraud. I've only seen it once. Oh, and even that time I got blackout drunk by the end. So, uh... oh no. No, I was sick in a taxi and I owed my friend a hundred pounds for the, for the, for the cleanup charge. It was a, 
it was a messy night. I, I discovered the double pint at the O2, which is kind of like a 40 in America. Uh, and, I, and I got like 12 of them because they give you these little trays to carry six each. So I'm carrying uh, 24 pints in my hands, just walking down, you know, my my Valentine's playing. I'll go get some more beer. I'll get some, I'll get some more beer, bro. That was a yeah, excellent night though. Those uh, those first McCartney gigs uh, are so important to, to uh, the fan. Uh, I was just talking with Kit O'Toole, and she says, "You always remember your first. And I was like, oh, "That's a that's a saucy joke for Kit. Uh, <laughs> <Very cool. laughs> it, it really is." Um, so yeah, you find out that the Got Back tour exists. You know you're going to see him as many times as possible. What were your expectations going in there? Were you doing this as a legacy fan thing, or were you maybe hoping for some surprises like he teased in, in some of the social media? Somewhere in between, I guess. I mean, let me, so I'm going to start by prefacing this with I'm trying to be as unbiased as possible, but I am very biased. So take that into account. Oh, be biased. This is, this is Paul and nothing. This isn't something about the Beatles. Don't, don't I mean, going into this, I don't, I don't expect any surprises. I mean, it's Paul McCartney. We know what he does and I I know what he plays and has played for, like, I'm not expecting any massive surprises. Um, Going back a little bit, like temporary secretary in 2016, that was a big surprise, but I also wasn't surprised because it was blowing up on social media around that time too. So naturally he pulled it into the show and it was great. So it was a surprise, but like, I kind of saw it coming. So no, I, I, I mean, for a, since COVID happened, I was just worried I was never going to get to see Paul McCartney again. So when this tour was announced, my expectation was just simply go have fun at a Paul McCartney concert. It, like, like, and I mean, I, I don't, ex- I expect a great experience because I know I'm going to get one simply due to the fact that I'm at a Paul McCartney concert. So, yeah. <laughs> no, it it the gig itself does a lot of the you know the work for you. It's not it's not hard to enjoy yourself. I get that. I get that. Yeah, and and were you spoiling it for yourself before you went, or were you going in blind? Oh no, I completely spoiled it for myself. <laughs> the minute you, the minute I was up all night, the first night of the tour on April twenty eighth, and just watching YouTube, refreshing for anything to be posted. But like, I I was desperate for this, so yeah. And again, it just there's not really that many spoilers anyway, in my opinion. But it was just what I expected, you know, most of Beatles. I'm just I'm just learn, looking at setlist FM. Let's have a look. Uh, Knoxville, do we got setlist.com? Uh setlist. Come on, where is it? Man looks up something on computer. Uh kicks off the cop. No, come on. There we go. The Thompson Boiling Arena. What, what an awful name for an arena, my word. The Boiling <laughs> Arena. It sounds like something from, like, you know, ancient Roman history. I think it's bowling. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, you, you chuck all the Christians into the boiling broth. It's like, ah! Okay, let's have a look at this set list. Uh, these two look pretty darn similar. It, right. I don't know if you want me to spoil it, but it was the same set list for both shows, unfortunately. Yes, no, we will, we will, we will get to that shortly. But um, something you posted on social media that certainly caught my my attention, and you can let me know whether this was for the first or second gig. You went in full 
give my regards to Broad Street costumes. Some would say cosplay in certain crowds. You were dressed as Paul during the, is that the Silly Love Song segment? Yes. Uh, yeah, Silly Love Song. Where he looks like he's in an Andrew Lloyd Webber production. Uh, let me just say right, right off the bat now, folks, go and check it out. You looked amazing. It was so fucking cool. I was like, this is so me. I was so happy to see it. We, uh, what, what, what inspired you to go with such a daring look? It was so cool. See, to me, to me, it's not daring. I just, it doesn't even occur to me that people will consider that daring. I was just like, yeah, so I love Good My Regards to Broadway Street. It's like one of my favorite things to watch, and I watch it on a very regular basis. So I was watching it actually just a few days before the show. I'd say like five days before the show on Tuesday, whatever that math works out to be. And it just kind of came to me at first where I was like, what if I did face paint? And I immediately go on Amazon Prime and I just start shopping for face paint because I'm just kind of impulsive like that. And, you know, I pull up pictures of Paul and that scene on Google Images and I'm looking on like all the stock photo websites for, I found a picture where some pictures where they were applying the makeup, which was wow. actually very helpful to me because I could copy, you know, the exact tools they used. Um, and I don't know anything about makeup. So that was, I learned a lot doing that. But yeah, it kind of just happened. And then I got the stuff for the face paint. And then I was like, you know what? I need a matching outfit. And <laughs> I just kind of did it without thinking. So I'm <laughs> guessing for like the other show, you didn't go as Linda on the uh, Flying Pegasus or anything like that, you know? Uh, no, I was in normal dress for the other show. But I didn't, the other show I was traveling via plane, so I couldn't prepare as much as if I, I drove to the Knoxville, Tennessee show so I could bring more stuff. Easily. I'm just trying to think of what McCartney look I'd like to go for if I saw him again. Maybe, oh, maybe that blue kimono from the Wings Over the World tour. Uh, that'd be a that fun one. one. I mean, I've always wanted the sweater vest from the Magical Mystery Tour. I've always wanted that. You always see it on Etsy for like £300 because they know that these fans will pay for something like that. Um, I also remember when Get Back came out, the mugs that the Beatles were drinking from, they just started selling like hotcakes. They were absolutely everywhere. I'm waiting for the for the bottom to fall out a bit on them and I'll scoop up a set perhaps. But uh, ooh, any of the McCartney looks? Ooh, oh, maybe like Mary had a little lamb with a full mullet. That'd be nice. Uh, maybe great. just spend the whole show with a rose in my mouth. Like, you know, <laughs> that'd definitely be fun. But you're already spending money on costume here I've, I've heard a flight I've, I know that there was a nine hour drive involved here let's just talk about the semantics some nice boring uh, finances here you've you've had to pay for plane tickets tickets mm-hmm. to two shows fuel I imagine food drink possibly even accommodation was this whole mini tour of your own good value for money let's just talk about value for money here Yes. Because <laughs> and we'll leave it there, folks. We'll leave it. <laughs> no, go on. I just, to me, you know, it, it takes what it takes. I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss Paul McCartney on tour in 2022. It's just not going to happen. And I'll adjust other aspects of my life as needed in order to, <laughs> like, I'm not going to go all out. Like I didn't, one time in my life, I did like sound check and was in the sixth row, and that was amazing. But I, I'm never going to do that again. I was in the nosebleeds for both of these concerts, you know. So I, I balance it out. But to me, I just I needed to be there, and I found the most reasonable way to do it that I could. 
So you'd rather do two nosebleed shows than one front row show, maybe. Yeah. Interesting. Because uh, I've, I've been cool. in the front row too, so I mean, I've been there. Now, how long has it taken? So it was a nine-hour drive. I said probably a several-hour flight. How far is too far for Paul to be played for you to go? I guess I can't go because for me, anything outside of maybe a five-minute walk, I'm like, oh, I don't think oh, I'm tired now. I'm gone. I'm going back. <laughs> well, it's funny for me because like I'm not somebody who leaves my house. I, I like I work right now. I work out of home, but for a long time I just worked from home doing IT. Like I don't like to leave, but when when it when it comes down to one of my favorite musicians. I will do what it takes. Now, I don't currently have a valid passport, so too far, I guess, would be outside of the United States because I couldn't. Um, unless I, I guess I could do it at some places. But that's pretty much where the line is right now, and that's just because of uh, logistics. But if the opportunity arose, I'd fly across the world for him. So he's playing a show in Alaska. Do you, do you, make, the, do you make the perilous journey? you know, on skis like that, trudging through the tundra. I'm I have nothing poor. better to do. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, my gosh. No, see, I feel so boring. I'm not particularly excited to see him again if he does come to the UK. If he mm-hmm. doesn't come to Birmingham, I'm, I'm going to be a bit, eh, do I want to go to London or Manchester or Liverpool on my own just to see the same set list that I've seen the last time. I'm quite cynical that way, quite naturally. Um, And because I'm immersed in Paul so often, I watch so many gigs online. I listen to his music every day. I'm not that detached enough to like really feel like, oh, I need to rekindle my connection with Paul. I'm kind of like fully dunked already. Uh, you know, if, if I, I think if, that's reasonable, not boring. I mean, that's completely fair. And I think a lot of people do feel that way. And that's, that makes a lot of sense. Honestly, that's realistic. And well, you know what, this, this, this brings me on to another point, the idea of these tickets being apparently too expensive. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I'm just a bit of a, a horrendous capitalist at heart but if there's something that i can't afford i just kind of accept that i'm like okay uh, that's i guess i i guess that's life that's life you know um i wouldn't be too upset by that i certainly wouldn't go on facebook posts and start whinging about it yeah what what, what do you think about this whole ticket price controversy you're on you're on the facebook groups as well i know you are you must have seen a lot of crap about this Oh yeah, it's all over the Facebook groups. It's all over every forum that's out there. My opinion is, and like, let me preface this: is I, I don't have that much money. Like, I'm not super well off. For Folks, anything, she's for she's talking from a gold mansion. I can see it on the live feed right now. <laughs> there is a peacock with caviar in the background right now. <laughs> so I just don't want people getting the wrong idea because, like, I, I think it costs what it costs. I mean, I haven't seen, there's so many other artists I haven't seen because I can't afford it. I can't, I, I could never justify these prices for the Stones, the Who, like there's tons of acts I want to see out there. You know, I find it hard to justify a $65 ticket for Don McLean, who I'd love to see, but it just comes down to that's what this costs. Complaining about it, unfortunately, I wish that would do something, but it won't. As far, there's also, you know, there's tactics to use when you're purchasing the tickets as well. While we are still limited to Ticketmaster, if you like research how Ticketmaster actually 
generates those prices, you can use some, you know, planning ahead and definitely get a cheaper seat than you would. I made the mistake of originally shopping in the pre-sale and these prices were sky high. But if you wait till day of the show, you'll, you'll, you will get a seat and it will cost less. And I should have done that. Um, I didn't because I regretfully did jump at the pre-sale because I had to plan travel and accommodation. So I didn't want to put that off. But um, I mean, see, that's so funny because when I got my tickets, it was just off Paul's website. And if you were a friend of McCartney, like someone who signs up for the newsletter, you got, you got bumped up the queue I'm, mm-hmm. I, I feel so odd because, like, I found it really easy to get tickets. I got to sit where I wanted to sit. It felt very strange that, like, this whole process for other people is this enormous kerfuffle. It, se- it seems so strange. I mean, if you know the tour, I mean, look, if you're if you're a regular person and you're not following all the podcasts and all the pages and the groups, and you don't know that there's murmurings of a tour, yeah, you might find it quite difficult to suddenly, oh, I've got a... Oh, I've got to be at work. I'm not going to be back till six, and I've got and the tickets are on sale at five. Yada yada yada. But yeah. anyone who's in the know <laughs> is is going to be ready with their finger above the button <laughs> like that just to buy them, snap them up straight away. Um, again, I've said I this. Actually, yeah, yeah, I was going to say I've said this four times now. If you haven't seen him by now, what are you doing? What have you been doing? He's been touring nonstop since you know the fish first crawled out of the ocean you know the other way my one argument against that point is i there's a lot of younger fans who might just have not had the opportunity to see him yet so mm-hmm. i do try because I, I do see a lot of people saying like if you haven't seen him yet then like come on but mm-hmm. i i like at both of the shows i was at there were a lot of like 11 to 14 year olds who were massive super fans that's mad and yeah, uh, well, I, um, I'm jumping the gun, but at Limo Watch, I met this 15-year-old who could name every track off Press to Play, Chaos of Creation. She was just this little expert, and she was so cool. She had, uh, she actually handmade Paul's Apple jacket, too, so jumping the gun there. But, like, oh there are God. kids out there who haven't had the chance yet, I guess. So it can be limiting, especially if you're young and you don't have your own income. I get that, but I don't know. No, uh, I mentioned this with Kit, just... Um... A lot of this could be the the Disney effect as well. Just loads of kids who have Disney Plus. They've just been introduced to the Beatles. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not even like Let It Be is the best album by the Beatles. So if they're hooked off the Get Back movie and then they go and check out the rest of the discography, there's going to be this real frothing fervor for the, for the, for the band right now. You know, it's. I think that's absolutely it. I mean, in the amount of just Get Back themed shirts I saw was just unreal. It's it's huge. Now I get back and then obviously we are, you know, four or five years into McCartney having a proper online presence as well, not just having a website, but a TikTok and an Instagram. And, you know, this is all a product of that. Um, It's mad that Mm -hmm. at 80, Paul might be more popular than ever. Uh, Maybe not in the charts, but he's certainly commanding the highest ticket prices and, uh, Again, I might sound like a, an, an opportunist monopolist here, but you know, if you can charge a couple hundred bucks a ticket, do it, man. This could be your last tour. You're 80 years old. Fuck it. You know what I mean? Just take the money and run for your life, little girl. Hide away if you can, little girl. You know. Um, if he yeah. doesn't, the scalpers will. So I mean, the tickets are going to cost that no matter what you do, and you just got to fight through it and find the good prices. 
or you you know you stand outside the the, uh, the queues and you assault someone and take their ticket and you steal their identity. That's how I'd do it. Uh, <laughs> I'm just there in full give my regards to Broad Street makeup. I'm like, yes, I am Chloe Costello in with my deep British voice. Hello. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'll I'll totally pass. I'll totally pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so take me through the day leading up to the first concert. You know, talk about the travel, the crowd. Did you get any food or merch? Where were your seats? Everything up until mm-hmm. the man walked on stage. So the day leading up to the first concert, which was the SoFi Stadium show on the 13th of May in California. Um, my dad lives in California, so that's I was, I'm lucky, and I can I've got a plane ticket. I stay at his place in LA, and then we went to the show together. And so I flew there the day before. It's a five-hour flight, something like that. It is what it is. Um, you arrive. I pretty much just spent the entire time. All I packed was Paul shirts, and I was like just prepping, like which one do I wear? So I spent most of the day deciding if I was going to wear. Um, a 1990 tour shirt or my regular Speedway shirt. I settled for regular Speedway. I couldn't turn that down. Um, That was honestly most of the day. I kind of just sat around. I watched Rock Show with the cat. And and then we went to the concert. Um, Now the traffic was, we, we were unfortunately a little bit late out the door, which wasn't ideal. So we did, didn't get there as early as I would have liked to, which meant we hit a massive wall of traffic which I think it seems to be universal for every show, regardless of venue, though I know it's worse at some than others, but we were just at the same traffic light for probably six or seven light cycles. Eventually I get out of the car and just walk in while my dad parks because um, it was that bad. But then of course, with the ticket master tickets, now you can't use a screenshot of the QR code. It's actually a card reader ticket. So I had to, I couldn't go in anyway. The lines were crazy. The merch was sold out already everywhere, pretty much. And they said they were going to be getting a restock, but I kept an eye on it and I never saw more. So I didn't get to get a program that time or anything. Um, But the venue itself was really nice. Uh, We kind of just walked around it because it was, I've never seen a building this large. I don't know. You just have to look up SoFi Stadium. It's, it's so big. It was just, it was like, it was like a spaceship. (laughs) <laughs> it was pretty cool, but I think it's a football stadium and it's very tall. And my seat was on the, we were in the back corner of the fifth level in the front. I was in the front row of the nosebleed section. So I could God, see that's the stage. So high up. I, 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 seriously, I, would... I had binoculars. Yeah. I'm scared of heights. So I was like, can I have vertigo? And I was just terrified. But so I'm using binoculars and I can kind of see the stage through the binoculars. It was that kind of situation. Paul McCartney was invisible. Like a little white dot in the distance. <laughs> Honestly, my my fear of heights was so bad at the time that I nearly walked out of the show. I was in nosebleeds, unfortunately. A janitor told me to go to customer services and there was a seat right next to the stage on the ground level. It was pure fate. It's it's you know. Wow. Mother it's Mary scary. was looking down on me in that in that moment. Uh, I was mm. mind mind blown really was. My God, I could not go to a gig at that stadium. Even on the bottom, they would be like, "There's too many people here. There's, there's the world's going to sink. There's so many people here." What's, oh my the God. whole time I was waiting for the ceiling to just like collapse. I was like, "We're just going to fall through the five levels." I mean, yeah, I don't like it. I just 
stomached it because I had to pretty much. No, I remember. I remember once one of my uh, one of my exes took me to go see Oliver Twist live on stage, uh, the original stage play, and it was even just it was just a second story uh, theatre. But I remember I just looked down over the edge because we were on the seats by the barrier. I looked down over the edge. You know how in every movie the disc, like the the the, the uh, background goes. It, that literally happened. I was like, I need my cider right now. <laughs> Just downed a whole one there. She's like, Are "You're right." Like, yeah, fine, I'm fine. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go see the show. Oh, brilliant! No, yeah. I, 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 I totally feel you there. It's, it's, it's an intimidating place. A concert, you know. I mean, luckily you had, you had, you had your dad there. I had, I had my best friend with me. who was actually willing to go with me at the time. So. You know, but I mean, that's another reason why I'm not particularly looking forward to him coming to the UK again because that same guy wouldn't want to go because there'd be no point doing the same show again. Uh, none of my other friends like Paul nearly enough. I'd probably have to get random people who I know through the podcast to go with me, you know, just random people dotted all over the country. Please come, I don't want to go on my own, please. <laughs> oh my gosh. But yeah. Yeah. A little white dot walks on the stage in SoFi Stadium. Everything gets better, surely. I mean, yeah. Regardless of all of that, it, it's worth it, you know. Um, if I d- don't, if you don't mind, I'll comment a bit more on the seating situation because it was kind of weird. I noticed the acoustics in stadium just right off the bat because the DJ was playing music and I couldn't hear it. So that concerned me because I was supposed to be able to hear it. Um, and I was, again, I was in the front row of the nosebleed section, so I'm just kind of hanging over. And there's a, what, it was like a translucent plastic barrier. And maybe I'm just, I'm, maybe I'm short, I guess, but it was like at the height of my head when I'm sitting in my chair. So I noticed that if I popped, if I like sat up really straight and reached my head up over this plastic barrier, I could suddenly hear everything. So there was a plastic wall that was kind of blocking a lot of the sound. So, um, it just wasn't an ideal place for a concert, really, which is fine. It, it I mean, is everyone excited. standing up in your area at the moment he comes on stage? Everyone's... Actually, no. Nobody stood up in that nosebleed section at all. It was, it was so high. I don't think anybody wanted to, really. <laughs> that point, just getting further from the stage than you already are. Yeah, there are people just <laughs> strapping themselves in, just like tying Yeah, but I, was, I got to the point where I was leaning over the edge of the plastic barricade just so I could hear because it was amazing the amount of dis- difference in the sound it got so muffled so I don't know for everyone behind me it must have been at least in my row it was very muffled that's and so strange I've, I've, never, I've never heard of that before yeah it was weird that's absolutely but it was weird. okay so you know what at this point uh you know what we'll uh tell me about the the lead up to the other day as well. I think it's going to be easier to collate the two shows once we actually get to the set list itself, especially since your set lists are exactly the same. Um, mm-hmm. So you uh, you had a nine hour drive. You're putting on cat makeup. <laughs> uh, you got, Brian Riddle asked me if I was dressed as 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> that's me. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. <laughs> it was brutal. <laughs> That's uh, the gun. You uh, you met up with Paul Sally, who we've had on the show, the, the big Jim McCullough nut. That 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 was really cool. But tell me about the uh, the limo watch, the limo meet. Did you? Uh, 
I mean, uh, folks, for anyone who is not following us on social media, uh, what 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 Chloe shouted at Paul was, "Give my regards to Broad Street." Is my favourite movie ever. I and said it's said, the best movie ever. The best movie ever, and you kind of see him look over, like he may have just caught a little, he, a little he heard bit. Of that. Me. <laughs> yeah so the whole day i mean that trip was a lot different than the california trip because i was completely in control of this trip so my mom lives in arizona she happened to be driving up to illinois because that's where most of our family is Mm -hmm. so my mom came into town the day before and she had just gotten off like a three-day road trip so i felt terrible for her but she just gets in the car with me at six in the morning and we drove from illinois to tennessee it was a little under 600 miles it uh, Apple Maps said it would be nine and a half hours. It really took around 12. And we only stopped three times, once for food, two for gas, and food. Um, Fucking hell, that is insane. Oh my it wasn't God. bad, though. I listened to the only Paul McCartney albums the entire way there. That's not true. I did listen to a couple of Benny Lane albums, but mostly <laughs> I just went straight through Paul's discography. And before we knew it, I mean, maybe for her it was different, but it I've never been on a road trip like that before, as a side note, and it really was surprisingly easy. So mm-hmm. I was fine. And we finally get to Tennessee. And so when I bought this ticket, I bought the ticket for this show only knowing that it was within driving distance. And I was like, okay, I'm doing it. I knew nothing about the location. It turned out it's on the campus of the University of Tennessee, which was just a surprise. Mm. and I had booked an Airbnb which was I guess in a dorm building which I wasn't aware of but it it was okay um so we got to the Airbnb and it's a dorm essentially or a student housing building maybe not technically a dormitory but Mm. you know and by then it was very late we all hung out for a bit just kind of chilled then uh there was a bookstore there and they had some records so I actually got the um uh, Paul McCartney's Unplugged on MTV on CD for $6. And I got the movie <laughs> for $5. So I was like, yeah. Okay, fuck it. That's great. That's it was wow. great, yeah. So we were there like 20 minutes before the bookstore closed. And we I grabbed that in time. So that was pretty much the entire day before the concert. Day of, And then I just don't sleep, especially not before a Paul McCartney concert. So <laughs> I slept for like three hours. I wake up. And I just kind of started waiting for the show. And well, let me backtrack. The before we drove, I had spent the two days straight kind of sewing together this outfit. I bought a shirt that kind of looked right and then sewed on a bunch of buttons and bought pants to go with it. So I, I had planned all that already. So the day of the show was just making sure it wasn't too wrinkled. Um I watched the Claire Guards to Broad Street in the morning. And then I wanted to go very early to limit watch. Because my thing was, I've never done limo watch before, and I didn't want to mess it up. So the doors to the concert opened at 6.30. The show was at 8. We were staying about a mile from the venue. So we just, and it's 90-something degrees, but we just pretty much walk out the door around 11.30 or 12 a.m. Because it took me a little longer than I planned to get into my attire. Um, That was really its own whole thing but um once that was done and it was dry enough that it wouldn't melt down my face from like sweat and heat outside we just kind of walked over to the concert we walked around the venue um kind of we talked to a guy who worked there and figured out what street paul was going to be coming in on they were actually really helpful 
um, they acted like they weren't helpful. And they're like, I don't know where he's coming from. Nobody here does this, but that's the main road. So it shouldn't be coming that way. So that was pretty nice. And we kind of just camped out. I brought a Bluetooth speaker and listened to music for, by the time we were there, it was probably 12, 15 PM, a little afternoon. And then we stood there and then slowly as the, after like two and a half hours, I'd say around 2.45, 3 p.m., more people started showing up. There was, like, one guy who came a little earlier than that. Then people really started showing up around 4. Um, they eventually put the metal barricade up, which confirmed exactly where Paul McCartney was going to be coming in. And the security guys are all in their walkie-talkies. And since we were there early, I was right next to the security. So I was listening to them, like, talk on the phone, like, 13 minutes. And they're, they're all, like, saying when he's coming. So it was cool to listen to. And... Yeah, there was the biggest. I've I've seen a lot of Limo Watch videos. I've never gone, mm-hmm. but there's a huge crowd. They were wrapped around the building and on the other side of the street. It was just packed. But I had like what I consider kind of the best view because I was all the way at the end. So my my philosophy was I had the most time to get Paul McCartney to notice me for a second. Yes, drive all the way past. <laughs> so no, like you can definitely see from your video footage, he looks. In your direction. I mean, so being... it's not my video that I posted. Because oh, it's I not. my video because he did look. Did at you me jump and up and down whilst holding it? Like, yeah. I dropped oh, my phone. Did he? So I mean, he looked me in the face and did like a huge double take, and he was like, "Like I have a picture of his face, and it's pretty funny." And he did see me, and then I screamed, "Give my regards to Broad Street is the best movie ever!" And he st- he basically looked back at me until he was gone, and I got a little thumbs up and stuff but yeah so the minute he looked me in the face i just forgot i was filming <laughs> all bets were off but luckily the people around me got video so i got a few different people's videos but none of him straight in the camera because i ruined it no um i mean the only arrival for this moment might be dan Ely, who uh put, took a big sign saying i met you at junior's farm and paul actually mentions it in the show that's pretty insane as well. Uh, I know yeah. Dan, Dan would have been very happy with that That's indeed. Um, any merch at the second gig? Yeah, I got the program, which I have right here, and it's oh, beautiful. It's it so nice. Beautiful. And I got the shirt that I'm wearing for anybody who isn't seeing the video. Of course, it's the that's that's the one kit. It's the one kit was wearing in the last video. <laughs> I just the minute I saw this design, I was just kind of in love with it. Like something about it is just so cool i i love everything about it so i i knew already what shirt i was going to be getting apparently tom hanyardi thinks that him walking out into the sea means it might be his last u.s tour that's a that's such a that's such a perfect beatle fan interpretation of imagery it's like it has to mean something you know if, do you want my interpretation because i have a few different okay topics. so my interpretation is that he is paving the way forward into nothingness you know it's to um, me it's where is he going next i see it as like opportunity is open and he's creating the path that's that's my main interpretation of it it's also a long and winding road uh, it is as well but if uh, you look it's, it's building in front of him which means he's doing it it's also he's also on his own so it could be a lonesome road as well oh guess what album i'm listening to right now folks uh, Spoiler alert for a future episode coming up. But yeah, let's let's get on to the shows themselves, particularly the set lists. No women mm-hmm. and wives at either of your shows. 
I, that was what I was really, really hoping for. That's like the number one song I wanted to hear. Mm-hmm. The minute I found out he was playing that, I was like, okay, I want to hear it. He didn't play it in California, but I held out hope. No. But that's fine. You know, it is what it is. Why do you think that is? Do you think there's just been a lack of warm reception for it in the early days of the tour? And he's just going to, I mean, it's normally yeah. like song number five or six. So. Uh, come on. I've got to get you into my life. It's a little, kind of, little further in than that. Uh, would it, is the alternate one Let Him In, maybe? Yeah, so I got Let Him In at both shows instead. And yeah. at first I thought he was alternating every night because I was watching the set lists for the first few shows. Yeah, it's totally and random. Thought, yeah, yeah and then he wasn't. He didn't play this one since his show in Texas, I don't think, Women and Lives, I mean. So... It is what it is. It's I, my my guess is that it, it wasn't getting a, the best reception from the crowd, and I know that does matter to him. So, but why is so there no sliding? Why is there no lavatory lil or find my way? Which you know what do the, do the Beck version of find my way? That'd be interesting. Let's do, yeah. let's, let's do some three imagine stuff. Let's get Dominic Fike on stage to do his really weird version of Kiss of Venus. Um, it does. It does seem strange that this tour is more based on the success of the Get Back movie uh, trilogy than it is about McCartney three. I know McCartney was kind of being undone by the time this tour was announced, but you know. The Egypt Station tour, that had at least three songs. You had Fur You and Come On To Me, which you had uh, there, but then there was also uh, Who Cares as well. Mm-hmm. Probably should have done Who Cares in this tour instead of Fur You. That seems to be a general consensus. Uh, are you are, are you a Fur You person? Fur You is probably, it's it's a contestant to my favourite one of the whole show. <laughs> really? Oh, my God. And is that for both shows? Yeah. But that's ahead again. Yeah, I guess the way I'm thinking, maybe he's planning to play the McCartney three songs on his next tour. From my impression of him, is he's not done anytime soon. I I don't. I I think we have more tours in our future. At least I'd like to hope. I mean, well, I mean, it was number one in the UK, so maybe there we got more of a chance of it there. It was was only number two because of Evermore, the Taylor Swift album, I believe. Yeah. Um, Who knows? It could be it could be a very good point, you know. We just get some deep, deep feeling. Or I mean, if he came onto stage and it went, I would be losing it. I'd be losing it absolutely. Or when winter comes, because that's like you know that'll keep the flaming pie fans happy as well. You know, very good. Yeah, we've got dance tonight and new being the other. Uh, kind of modern newish tracks on here this is all very yeah. familiar stuff start with can't blah, blah, love junior's farm and letting go that's a that's an important double bill to kind of keep the keep the nerds happy definitely yeah. uh, oh and then a double bill of come on to me and let me roll it as well uh was was my valentine the the toilet song of the show is that when most people got up the least reception or maybe something like new it was actually junior's farm at the knoxville show and I, it's it's like i think it's like the second or third yes the second song yeah literally the can't find me love starts everyone's standing up and screaming and then junior's farm starts and three people in my row start pushing their way out to go get drinks i was just like <laughs> it just started but um 
I actually, in, at the California show, I was so high in the rafters, I couldn't even tell what was going on, honestly. <laughs> Just some ants are shuffling down several thousand yeah. feet below you. Um, yes, uh, let's have a look. We've got this the, the acoustic set list. We can work it out. It's part of all the danger. Love me do. Down to my blackbird here today. Pretty standard stuff. Um, something that I've been taking away from this tour it's time to retire in spite of all the danger, I think. I think it's been there, done that now. Why is it not two of us? What you know, if we track ape off get back here, like Paul, you played for you blue at the concert for Jaws. George, do concert uh, do for you blue. That'd be a wonderful one to put in the acoustic set. Um, I mean it's probably time to swap dance to night out, maybe back to Calico Skies. That could be fun. I'm also kind of a bit over here today now. And Blackbird, I'm like... Both can go, in my opinion. I I have no interest in any uh, any of the Beatles songs, really. They could all go. But (laughs) they're there, so... No, like, you know, something's a nice one to have. I do like the uh, the ukulele moment. Being for the benefit of Mr. Kite, that's just a cool one. Just like, oh, wow, we've actually got a deep cut... Beatles album track here. That's pretty fun. Um, did he do um, the weird uh, um, start for You Never Give Me Your Money? Starting out with, out of college, money. That's a, a constant. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty universal. I think that's how he's doing it on the tour. My educated guess would be that it's because it's probably might be challenging for him to sing the actual intro to the song. But on every set list, it's written as college. Yeah, which was very confusing when I first saw it. I was like, college? It's like a new new single coming out or something. No, it's one of the most famous ones he does. <laughs> okay. But it works really well. I t- actually, That's actually one of the high points of the show for me. It's the only mm. Beatles thing I really care about. The way it merges into she came into the bathroom window. I, I think he sounds great singing those, and it, it, it works really well. It rocks. It's it's funny. I haven't mentioned this yet. I'm, I'm, I'm just notice, noticing now. Um, I've just done a bonus episode on all the Wings songs that Paul's never played live, uh, and all the Beatles songs he's never played live. We've got no Pepper, no Sergeant Pepper, no Husker Band on this tour, and no Back in the USSR. That's actually quite uh, interesting. I think, I've, and there's and there's no Yesterday either. I believe. I don't think he's played Yesterday in a really long time. Yeah, that's a, yeah. There's actually quite 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 a few taken out here. Um. Obviously, uh, getting better was brought back. Have you seen him do getting better before? Yeah, I, I, I honestly. Oh wow! So it's like I that. Yeah, I think. Having seen so many shows, you're not even sure which songs you've seen. The 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 jealousy intensifies. It really it it really it does. Is, they all blend together. Honestly, I I can't really pick out details from shows I've seen in the past, unfortunately. Because I'm in such a moment when I'm there, I just forget everything right after. And, uh, are there any highlights from the first show that might not be present in the second show and vice versa? You know, um, how was something like Maybe I'm Amazed, for example, a controversial song at best now? I mean, to me, that was a huge highlight. The minute he started singing it. So the minute, I'm kind of changing the subject into how he sounds a little bit, but for me, the highlight of the first show was just getting to hear him and how good he sounded to me. Mm-hmm. I think he sounds so, I mean, obviously from the break with COVID and everything, he sounds so much better than he did the last couple of years. 
Um, so yeah, at the first show, he started singing Maybe I'm Amazed, and he's he's hitting like the high notes that I'm not even gonna try and hit to replicate right now, but he hit them all and like doing the high ooh ooh things, you know. He it, so that was a highlight, just getting to hear that. Um letting go is great. Um he still does that oddly well, like way better than you'd ever expect. <laughs> And, it's and it, great. He's like he's doing this single from Venus and Mars. Yes, awesome. And, yeah. uh, and he's doing it in a show where you also get "Let Me Roll It" as well. Like within three songs, it's like you get the two hard hard rock mid era Wings tracks. It's like, oh, that, that's that's good value for money for Wings fans. That is. Um, it's like he just knocks them all out right at the start, though. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like you you get good value for money as a, a solo McCartney fan in the first. 11 songs you've got junior's farm letting go come on to me let me roll it let him in my valentine and 1985 and maybe i'm amazed that's like that's yeah to front loading it so then he can spoon feed you the 60s stuff for the rest of the show that's that seems pretty obvious yeah i mean let let people settle in there's a lot of wings that might there's so much wings i almost like wings is my favorite thing of all time so it's crazy that i'm saying this but i almost feel like if we're gonna be stuck with all the beatles stuff we could at least put some more solo tracks in there like mid period solo songs would be great in my opinion instead of let me roll it which i've heard a million times at this point i love band on the run i don't know if i could deal with him dropping band on the run because i do love it but i've heard it so many times that it's it his number hurt. one solo song over 700 performances since 1918 yeah. oh sorry since 76 even that's it, it's absolutely insane but yeah. where is the live version of pretty little head to appeal to seven percent of the crowd you know that'd be so cool get some reverb on the vocals and just... yeah just yeah. like you know hey, man what oh my gosh i mean even like it's something from uh, Flowers in the Dirt would blow people's minds if you just brought back Figure of Eight or My Brave Face or something. With the well, at the pre-show, band. sorry, in 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 the pre-show at the Knoxville show because I couldn't really hear the DJ playing in the show in California, but at the show I went to the other day, they played Water Spout, um, My Brave Face. It, it, just hearing those two, I, there was something else that I'm blinking, but it, obviously it was just the DJ playing. But it was so cool, and I was like. God, he should just open with my brave face. So there's you know? oh, so there's an official nod to Waterspout in the DJ set list. That's yeah, it was like the first thing they started with, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Waterspout. <laughs> oh my god, no, because I remember when I heard Front Parlor being uh, being played before I saw him in 2018. I was like, this is probably better than anything I'm going to hear in the show now. This this is it for me. This is this is the good stuff. Um, so yeah, first show. Pretty pretty darn good. You go to the next one. Um, let's let's talk about one of the quote unquote surprises that everyone kind of saw coming because it was all over social media. Um, first show and second show, you see Paul do his duet with Mr. Lennon. I've mm-hmm. been pretty consistent in this mini series. I think it's a little gimmicky. How did you interpret it? I don't find it gimmicky. It just doesn't really do anything for me. I don't really care that much, to be honest. But I'm at a point in my life where I was an obsessive Beatles fan, and I'm just so past that. Or I'm not a Beatles fan. I'm like a Wings and Solo McCartney fan. So to see that it's cool, 
but I just, I just don't, I don't want to say I don't care because it's like, it's nice and it's cool. And yeah, I guess it's, it's, I had a moment the other night where I was listening to them and I'm like, wow, that is John and Paul's voices singing together. That's, that's something. But I just feel like something else could be in that spot because there's, I just don't care about it that much, honestly. Okay, this could sound sacrilegious, and I do apologize if I upset him with this notion. Can we do the same with Linda? Could we bring back Linda for, like, I am your singer or something, you know? I don't think Paul could ever do that. He broke down crying during Maybe I'm Amazed the first time I saw him. I, I don't think that would happen. <laughs> Nancy gets, you know, she's waiting for him. When he gets home, you were singing with that Linda again, weren't you? Weren't you? I did it. <laughs> Oh my God! Have you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it probably, it probably well, I never see that happening, unfortunately. Bring back Jimmy McCullough. We'll have Joe English sing. Uh, what was it? Um, time, no, not, no, not the note. Must do something wrote. about it. Must do something about it. That's the opening song. <laughs> Paul's like, I mean, that'd be great. <laughs> we'll bring it back, Joe English. And it's like, what? <laughs> well. My dream would be for him to bring back Jenny Lane. Obviously, that's not going to happen. I'm not even going to go there. But like, if he's going to, if they're both touring separately, playing band on the run, I'm just like, just do it together. They're, I hate it. They're like on the same night, both playing band on the run. No, it's 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 like me with my obsession that uh, he and St. Vincent both have to do Women and Wives together at Glastonbury. Just do I think it. Might. Just I do think it. Will happen. I I've I, I feel like if I if I talk to enough people about it, it will manifest itself in the universe. You know, be the change you want to see. Um, do you uh, do you think that maybe Paul could have just straight up thrown in a couple of actual surprises in this tour? Because it really wasn't that surprising at all. It was a bit of a letdown for me, really. Um, also. To expand upon that as well, do you think a lot of it might just come down to the fact that he is 80, he doesn't want to look, relearn a bunch of these old songs when he could just be, you know, hanging out with Nancy, hanging out with the grandkids, doing other stuff? Um, do you think his priorities have changed maybe in terms of like revamping a set list and putting that extra bit of effort in? I wouldn't say they've changed because I just don't really consider him one to ever it's not in any recent time revamp the sad list. I just, I just don't expect it at this point. I've learned that it won't happen and I don't. No, but there was no temporary secretary either. You know, there that's was no like, you know, like, oh, wow. Oh my God, he's playing this. He's playing uh rough ride. <laughs> That'd be great. But I mean, sorry. What, what was your original question? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'm just rambling here. Yeah, do you reckon he should have put in a few more surprises? Basically, is the is the main thrust of the question. Would I? I would love it if he did. Um, but you don't expect. I mean, it. yes, of course. I think he should. Like, I'm not that. That of course. I. Um, it's it's unfortunate that he doesn't. You know, I do think some of it might come down to the fact that he is going to be 80 in like 16 days or something like that. Yeah, and it. I mean, I, I think part of it comes down to, you know, the endless insecurity of the, pleasing the most amount of people as possible. And unfortunately, at both shows where I'm in my seat, everyone's happy about, hey, Jude, let it be. 
black or they don't even know you're today half of them you know people are there to hear can't find me love and even we can work it out which is like the other Beatles song I actually did like hearing nobody mm-hmm. even likes that one that much so <laughs> I do think it would be I, I I do think he should change his set list but I just think also it won't happen at this point I've just given up all hope I guess <laughs> if it happened it'd be great We've made our peace with Paul. We've made our peace with him now. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, how was Paul just on stage? How was his presence? You know, we all know he's doing the same stage patter, but did, did he look enlivened? Was he having fun? Was he going through the motions, perhaps? So at the first show, he came off to me as very nervous. And this was actually confirmed in the most recently gave me the answer. that I figured he's nervous. He must have been. And, like, um, the first show I saw, he just seemed a little, like, yeah, a little bit going through the motions. And at first I was like, what's going on here? It just didn't seem right. It wasn't like super weird, mm-hmm. but it just, you know, he wasn't like smiling on stage as much. And again, I was far away. Maybe I couldn't take it in as well. Um, but then at the second show I saw the other day, and so I was still in the nosebleed, but it was such a smaller venue. I was high up, but I could see him with my like naked eye from the nosebleeds. It was pretty cool not like up close, but I saw him and he was like really happy to be there. It seemed like, and it was really cool because he was smiling through all the songs. He actually broke from the regular stage patter at that show because um, he was, he was talking about signs, I think. And someone in the crowd just kept screaming his name, like, bah, 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 just completely like filling up the entire venue with their screams while everyone else is quiet and he's trying to talk. So he just stops what he's doing. He's like, well, should we have a conversation then? And then just is like yelling back at them. Like, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So that was special to me because he said something different on stage, which was cool. And I thought it was just pretty funny. I called them out because they were being really loud. And yeah, I lost my train of thought, but oh, his energy overall, I was just kind of astounded. And my dad at the first show who was with me and had never seen him before, isn't really a McCartney fan at all. His, he turns to me and he's like, is he really almost 80? And like, he was just surprised. And I was too. I mean, Paul's a fucking powerhouse going through the show. And that's the, the one thing at the first show I noticed while he was nervous at the beginning, it's like, he didn't get tired as the show went on. He just built and built and built. And by the end, he could have gone, it looked like he could have gone for a couple more hours. Like there was a massive amount of energy as the show was coming to an end. And I know people say like, it looks like he's struggling or something. I don't really get that impression whatsoever. All I really, like as the show went on, I was just seeing energy and loving to play the music, even if it's the same old music. But especially at the Tennessee, the Knoxville, Tennessee show, he just looked so happy to be there. He was like smiling through maybe I'm amazed and like mm-hmm. just having a good time, you know, dancing he, around more than usual. He is, um, something else I've taken away from this series is that Paul is someone who seems to uh, warm up as a show goes on. Like not, yes. not, not, not even the sound check can fully warm him up. And it seems like possibly some of the casualties of a set in terms of songs that people might not be totally appreciative of maybe should have just been put further back in the set you know bring get back up up more to the front and push 
I don't know. I, I, I don't. Obviously, I know you liked your your experience with Mabel Mace, but a song like that, or some of the harder to sing ones towards the end, because he's not John. He doesn't get exhausted at the end of the night. He's actually more enlivened than than he was at yeah. the start. Um, you know, perhaps a, a sequencing issue could be a lot of people's uh, the, the source of some people's dissatisfaction with modern Paul. Maybe I think that that's a huge point. Yeah. Because it easily takes him four or five, I'd say five songs to really, you know, be fully warmed up, more comfortable on stage, appearing, you know, just overall, he sounds better, just like it loosens up a bit, you know. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think definitely moving the set list around would probably create an energy that could please a lot of people, at least a little bit more. So I know there's a lot of people who just aren't very happy. That's yeah, I mean, like, I, I, I haven't been too impressed with a lot of the clips of Can't Buy Me Love I've seen, to be completely honest. It oh, does seem that. to be a little more, Can't Buy Me Love! Like he's, again, a lot of people mentioned he's doing a, bit, a few vocal tricks now. He's not holding notes as long, for example, but... No, he sounds rough on that one every time. I Obviously, I won't lie there. He doesn't sound good on Can't Buy Me Love. I've I've heard the Hey Junes and the Live and Let Dies from this tour. Oh, the, there's so much footage of I've Got a Feeling. Even Birthday sounds good, and I think that song's the doldrums. Uh, <laughs> I mean, song. if we have to have a Beatles song, why not do Please Please Me, which you've never done? Why are we getting Birthday? Oh there's God. pretty much no song I wouldn't choose over Birthday. I, I absolutely cannot stand that song. You want to? I know you were saying the John Lennon thing's gimmicky. I think Birthday is gimmicky. Just with the this is for everyone's birthday this year. I just think it's so overdone at this point, and I don't think it's a very good song. I've never liked Birthday though. Just do like Ebony and Ivory there or something. Give us give us yeah. a nice one. And, I mean, okay, it's got to be upbeat and a, and a, a solo one. Do my brave face after I've got a feeling between Helter Skelter. That'd be absolutely great. Yeah, I think people really respond to that. But yeah. If you could sing it, you should do this one in that spot. That would be great. Even up there with my, or figure of eight, something, you know, anything off Flowers in the Dirt. Oh, oh my God. Oh no, he's doing Motor of Love. What have we done? Who is this away? No, if he did away on a soleil, if he did, if he did that, I'd be there. Like, Oh, I'd be jump. taking down the nosebleeds. I'd break them through the ceiling, yeah. Doing EDM stuff, you know. <laughs> oh, my God. I'd be losing my mind. Right. I think we've covered everything. I think we've gone yeah. through two shows in the amount of time that many people have barely been able to talk about one. So kudos to your efficiency there, Chloe. Um, Thanks, Sam. Thank you so much for sharing your stories with me. Um, I can't believe you got to see him twice. I'm twice as jealous as I have been on any of the other episodes. Uh, the effort you went into, both in terms of travel and costume, is mind-boggling to me personally. <laughs> I'd probably show up looking like this in an Adidas hoodie or Adidas, as I hear it be called over there, mm-hmm. uh, and, and 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 some joggers, probably half smoking a cigarette, being like, "Oh God, when's he going to start?" You know, come on, <laughs> come on, please, come on. Very low energy, and to see this other side of the fandom where people are a little more exuberant and passionate is is always a joy to see and I'm so glad that you like everyone else saw so many young people it gives us hope for the future of the fandom um, yeah so thank you thank you so much for coming on 
thank you for having me, Sam. I really appreciate it. It's fun to talk about this, and I appreciate you taking the time to bring me on the podcast. No, no, it's it's more than a pleasure, and we will be having a conversation hopefully very soon. Maybe after I get driving rain out, we can do Japanese tears, so everyone can look forward to that. Can't Uh, wait. And yeah, I don't think I'll be doing any of the solo Denny Lane stuff afterwards. I do apologize, but uh, you know. You never know. I might be desperate for an episode. Uh, let, let, let's have a look at the 12 times Danny Lane's covered Time to Hide in the last 20 years, you know. We can look at that. <laughs> right, folks, you've been listening to another episode of Poor or Nothing. I've been kindly joined this evening by Chloe Costello. Peace and love, peace and love. Normal autographs. Harry, Harry, Krishna. And Sally,